in addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good afternoon to you. My name is Julian Gibb, and today we're blessed to have Caleb Campbell. Who's Caleb? Well, he's the senior pastor at Desert Springs Bible Church in Phoenix. So, Caleb, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Julian. It's good to be here. So, as I say, we're listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories about how people within God's kingdom, individuals, families, churches, how they work together to serve as Jesus' hands and feet, how they put God's word Give feet, give legs, give movement to God's word. And so, so Caleb, tell me about Desert Springs. Uh, how are you guys reaching out to your, your local community? How are you? You preach, you know, I've seen you in action, yep. you know, and online and things. So you're preaching out God's word. How does this actually manifest into physical loving activity? Sure. Uh, that's a great question. So we, uh, our church family has been around for 44 years now uh, up in North Phoenix. And since that time, we've seen the area change in all sorts of different ways and grow. And uh, we've also seen people rise up and serve in different ways over those, you know, four plus decades. And so our heart is to help each person find what God has, uh, how God has wired them, what he's placed on their heart, and then equip them to do that work of ministry. So uh, this means that we're kind of always having our fingers into something uh, yeah. going on in the area. So some of the some of the larger works that we've been a part of or are a part of now, uh, we're partnered with Habitat for Humanity uh, mm. to provide safe and healthy homes for our neighbors in the North Phoenix community. Uh, we partner with places like Kitchen on the Street, uh, doing food distribution, uh, partner with the local school district, which I think is really, really important uh, to be able to provide things like uh, training, after-school mm. programs, things mm. like that. Uh, but one of the things that we strive towards is we as a church family, they're not our ministries under right. our you know, 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, we love partnering with what God's already doing in the area and then resourcing that to the best of our ability with people, finances, and things like that. So um, why? Why bother? I mean, you know, you've got, <laughs> you've got this nice church building. Yeah. You know, it's very, very pretty, you know, and sure. uh, lots of nice people going there. And so, you know, can't you just – yeah, I, I mean – I'm going to make a wild assumption here. I'm going to say that not everybody in your church has got their lives completely together and is perfect. Yeah, as it turns out. So uh, you must have um, quite a lot of work to do with your own sheep. You, the shepherd, you know, your, your sheep, they need to be guided and whatever. So so what, why, you know, you've got enough on your hands. Why, why on earth would you go out into the broader community and, and seek to help there? Sure. I mean, the... <laughs> the non-trite answer is Jesus did it and then told us to do it. Uh, I think that uh, as people are discovering who Jesus is or giving themselves over to Jesus, following him, uh, one of the ways that he works in their lives is by showing them how they're gifted and then using that gifting to serve others. And in that, in so doing, they actually see him closer uh, you know, in real life and flesh and bone, so to speak, in the uh, in the act of serving. So when we live like Jesus, we he comes alive, our faith grows. And so I, 
I would say that uh, service is not only commanded by Jesus, uh, but it's also a critical act of discipleship and evangelism. Mm. And so if, if we think discipleship is just sitting at a coffee shop reading a book— about service, mm. uh, we miss how Jesus trained his disciples. When he went, he did things like healing and feeding, and then he turned to them and was like, all right, now your turn. Right. And I think that that's one of the missing components. Oftentimes, if we're just relegating discipleship to books at a table. But we pay you for that. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, so, uh, but, so what, what you're saying is that Christians uh, fully well, don't let me put words into your mouth, sure, but yeah. are you saying that Christians fully come into an understanding of the word when they're living it, when they're doing it? And so when they are out serving other people, you know, which goes against, to a degree, our, our human nature is, mm-hmm. you know, self-preservation, look after ourselves, our family. But when we go and s- s- love other people, we are being slowly transformed through the process. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I mean, how how... You're a busy man, you know, and uh, you've got, you know, you've got a, a wife, uh, children, uh, you know, you've got a, a yeah, radio shows, <laughs> radio shows, you know. So, uh, I mean, you're a busy guy. How do you find the strength, mental and physical, uh, in order to do all this stuff? Sure. You know, I mean, I mean, I hear you're good at golf. No, you, you're not. I made the bit <laughs> up. But, you know, you, you could be, this is Phoenix. You could be out playing a couple of rounds, you know, sure. you know sipping a few cold drinks. You know, how, how I don't want to trivialize this. How do you find the strength to do all these things, often when roadblocks are put in your way, often when what whatever you do, someone will attack you? If you do something, it's too... Uh, too far to the right. If you mm-hmm. do something, it's too far to the left. You know, yeah. I think I think you've been called a, a fascist and a, and, a, and a Soviet dictator, a Marxist, Marxist, yeah, yeah. a fascist yeah. and a Marxist. Same uh, week, same, same yeah. week. Yeah. So that's pretty pretty impressive. <laughs> you know, so uh, what what keeps Caleb afloat? Yeah, I think when a person serves in their area of gifting, uh, it becomes a joy, and so to some degree, it's not a have to, but a want to, mm. and especially when you when you're serving in a space where God's called us, of course there's difficulty, mm. but there's also huge blessing. I mean, to see lives transformed, to see, if that's something you care about, then you want to show up. Yeah. Uh, to see people being helped, if that's something you care about, you, you want to show up. And it helps, I think, um, I think God's wired us in such a way that the energy comes in the doing. Right. Um, if it's a drag, if it's dull, if it's, if it's kind of like pushing a rock up a hill, it may be just not be your area of gifting or area of calling. And uh, of course, there's always difficulty in serving. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a joy in the difficulty mm-hmm. and there's an energy in the pain. Hmm. And so what, what would you say to, to me, to people who are listening, who are saying, well, you know, Caleb was clearly born this way, you know, and he's got <laughs> gifts, you know, he, he came out with a halo over his cradle, you know, sure. and and uh, but he's he's one of these spiritual superheroes, you know. Mm. I mean, he, he's he's been gifted. He's got what it takes. La 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 la, you know. But not me, you know. And so I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll leave those things to him. What what would you say to to someone like me who would say that? Yeah. Uh, well, that's probably a, a misassessment of my character. <laughs> However, um, one of the things that has always intrigued me about Jesus is he called his disciples into activity way before I think they're ready. 
mm. way before they're hitting all the marks on the theology exam and the mm. you know spiritual growth. I mean, they're very early on. Jesus calls his disciples into service and activity, and so there's you know of course there's messed up ways to do it, but there's not really a perfect way to start serving. And mm. so uh, I would encourage anyone you know where's your area of where do you feel compelled. Where do you see a need and recognize you have a gift that meets the need and go for it and then see what happens in the process? Yeah, I mean, because that is true with the disciples, was it? You know, John and James, they're like, you know, people were shouting out insults, you know, at them at Jesus and they're like, hey, let's just bring down some fire yeah, and burn right. them all up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do that flood thing again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, wipe, wipe them out, Jesus, in love. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, so that, that, that's great. So, you know, it, we don't have to have all of our ducks in a row we don't have to have everything together in order to serve we have to you know prayerfully think about it and then step out uh you know and do it yeah so just start is what you're yeah. saying yeah start it and then <laughs> and then trust that the spirit of god will guide you in the process and so how do, how does the church come into this so this we've been talking about individuals you sure. know at this point so there's there's john there's jane um you know, they they say, oh, okay, okay, well, or there's Julian, you know, so let's just talk about me. So it's kind of like, great, well, you know, apparently the book in the coffee shop's out, you know, I thought I was doing great, you know, but but I'm not. And so uh, I can uh, I, I can do something with the, with the Lord, Lord working through me, uh, going to, to love my neighbor. But how does the church, how does the body come together and do yeah, this? It's a great question. And I don't want to disparage books and coffee shops. No, 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 no. In the coffee shop. It's just part of the mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that, you know, the church collective, I think there's a couple ways to think through it. Number one is the leadership of the church. Their job is Ephesians 4, equip the people in the church to do the work of ministry. So there's an equipping component, which is which could be, you know, training, could be how to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, and this is kind of a, I think every church can function in this way, uh, that the church becomes the networking agent. So there's a need in the community. It's likely that someone in the church family knows an organization, knows a family, knows a need, right? So networking within the church to be able to discern what are the assets in the area, what are the needs in the area, and then how can I get involved? Uh, I think that for the most part, uh, the local church should not try to start a ministry for ev- to meet every need, but rather find how it's, as a body, how it, as a local church, is gifted and wired and lean into those spaces and then really enter, uh, emphasize partnering with other ministries and nonprofits that are in the area meeting those needs. Right. So, for instance, for us, we don't uh, – just talking to somebody yesterday about this, they asked, do you guys have a food pantry? And we don't, but one mile up the street at Harvest, they do. And so we just – we lean into them right. and partner with all the different churches that we can uh, to share um, resources and networking and assets. So I think it's – number one, it's – it's discipleship and equipping, uh, and number two, it's that networking component. So, so as you say, it's really uh, the body working together. You know, the, the hand excelling at what the hand does, and the foot excelling at what the foot does, and then bringing it all together to serve the community comprehensively. Yeah, uh, each doing its own own separate part that it's gifted with. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and I think one of the things I would caution anyone in a local church from doing is to assume that God's not already at work in that space. Mm. Rather mm-hmm. to assume that God is at work in that space, working on people's heart, and to seek out partners as opposed to, you know, riding in on the horse and, right. you know, right. taking the day, so to speak. Sure. So, you know, where is God already at work, mm-hmm. you know, and is he calling us to to join him in that area? 
Well, you're, you're listening to The Kingdom and its stories. Again, my name is Julian Gibb, and we're blessed today to have uh, Caleb Campbell, Pastor Caleb, join us here today to talk about how the church can be involved in serving as Jesus' hands and feet. So, Caleb, give, give us, uh, well, before, we, before I answer this question, um, were you born with a halo over your head? <laughs> no, I, was, I don't have a recollection okay. of that particular moment, but no, I don't think so. Were you always a Christian? No, no, no. Um, and so, uh, uh, so what happened? Sure. <laughs> Tell us uh, a little bit about your back, back story <laughs> sure. as, as much as you want. Yeah. Or, I grew not. up in a pretty conservative home, uh, religiously conservative. And, uh, in junior high, I thought this, you know, I don't like this. This is, you know, everyone's a hypocrite. And so I too gave much, it up. Too much coffee shop reading. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think there was that. Uh, and I gave it up and stopped. In high school, uh, I fell with a group of neo-Nazi skinheads, and so I joined in with that. I didn't go to college, but in what would have been my college years, that's kind of what I was doing. And then uh, we I was a drummer in a band here in the Valley, and uh, we had an ad in the Phoenix New Times looking for uh, another musician to partner with, and a woman from Desert Springs Bible Church was dialing drummers, and called and said, hey, you know, are you a drummer? Yeah. Can you come play at our church? Sure. So I think the drummer had canceled or something, and so I right. came over and, and played, and uh, now I'm the lead pastor. Goodness. <laughs> so from <laughs> so, uh, awkward pause on the radio. Uh-huh. So, so you... <laughs> So you grew up in uh, in an environment, and then uh, you uh, walked into or slid into neo Nazism, and yep. and, um, uh, and and now you're a church pastor. So 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 are, are the two uh, is it are the two essential? You know, you have to be <laughs> <laughs> which two? <laughs> so so to cut cut to the chase, you know, now I know you're very much involved in seeking to bring reconciliation between. Yep people of different uh, uh, backgrounds, you know, d- uh, different races, yep. you know, sort of black, Asian, Caucasian, mm-hmm. you know, um, what happened? At one point, you, you know, you, you got to, you know, you're out there campaigning, to put it politely, uh, you know, against, you know, uh, the intermingling of the, the living together, the working together of races. Yeah. And now you're, you're a champion of it. I mean, it sounds a bit like St. Paul, you know, in yeah, a sense right. of... Um, you know, at one point, you know, you're breathing murderous threats against mm-hmm. the church, and then years later, you know, one of the, one of its champions. And so, so what happened? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, to start, uh, someone who was part of the the church I now serve in um, just started having me over for dinner. He and his wife would have me over for dinner once a week, and we would talk about. Jesus and and he helped me understand what it meant to follow Jesus and in that in that long season somewhere in there I found myself loving Jesus giving my life to Jesus I didn't have uh, uh, like a date and time moment that I can recall uh, but I did in that season find myself uh, following him and then uh, started reading more learning more uh, continuing to be discipled although we didn't call it that um, and then over time. Uh, started serving, leading, you know, leading a, a group, like a community group, and then eventually taking on more responsibilities in the church and then getting hired on at the church uh, at a part-time role and then eventually a full-time role. And at the same time, I'm, you know, reading the Bible, studying Scripture, um, you know, 
taken seminary classes, things like that. And one of the things that became real clear to me was as you read the as you read the New Testament, especially after the Gospels, one of the things that becomes clear is that the local church body is by design uh, socioeconomically, chronologically, and ethnically diverse. So from my reading, it became clear that all these fights that these pastors are writing, you know, the writing these letters to the churches, they're fights around differences around uh, whether it be ethnicity, gender, socioeconomic status, um, most of the one another commands in scripture stem from the fact that there's two people from very different walks of life sitting together and having a meal together. Right. Um, when I'm with people who affirm my prejudices and uh, have all the same preferences that I do, we don't fight so much. It's really when I'm at a table with someone who uh, shines a light on spaces of my own ignorance or uh, has preferences that are different than I, you know, our politics or our playlists are different. Right. Uh, that's where I get upset because uh, it's not what I would prefer and it's not what I think. And and you just see that throughout the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first major fight in the church was the distribution of resources mm-hmm. to widows based on ethnic uh, distinctions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Jerusalem Council, one of the biggest... Uh, Arguments that the pillars of the church had in Acts was an ethnic uh, difference. Conver- it was a conversation around circumcision, who gets in, who gets out, around ethnic markers, boundary markers. Uh, and you see this all throughout. So I, I just became convinced that the local church is to be socioeconomically, chronologically, and ethnically diverse. Mm-hmm. When I looked at the American church and, and, frankly, our own church family, what I saw was not radical diversity. Um, I saw sameness. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. thought, this is, something's not right. When I read my Bible and then I look at the local church, it doesn't seem to be adding up. In fact, I would hear things like, if you want to grow a church, target one ethnicity, one gender, one age group, and go after them and you'll, gr- you'll grow your church. And then I read the New Testament, like, that doesn't seem to be mm. like the same way that <laughs> the, right. that the early church uh, leadership thought uh, they would have church houses, you know, house churches of 50 people and they're, you know, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, male and female, uh, Jew and Gentile. Like, So we started asking, why is the Walmart that's down the street from us more diverse than we are when by design the church is supposed to be a diverse uh, right. body? And so it, it became part of the heartbeat. And I think for me um, – I was much more comfortable engaging in, and still am, conversations about race, racism, and racial reconciliation because of my background. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not bur- I'm not trying to absolve my guilt. I mean, Jesus, right. Jesus has cleansed right. me and saved me, so I'm not trying to earn anything right. by engaging right. in the conversation. But I'm comfortable in it because it's something I've been thinking about and working on for for a long time. Because you know, I think about the disciples. You know, I mean, one was a, a zealot. Yeah. You know, so uh-huh. a religious terrorist in a sense. You know, the other worked for uh, the oppressive Roman uh-huh. government. Yeah, so exactly. the complete, yeah. complete opposites, mm-hmm. you know, working to uh, working, being brought together yeah. you know, in the kingdom of God. So um, how uh, two, two, two questions. One is um, uh, how has the church uh, operated? How has your church operated uh, brought people together of different uh, ethnicities, of races, of 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 the Walmart mix, as yeah. you say. You know what? What have you done? You know, it's a nice thought. You know, bring everyone together. You know, the kingdom of God. You know, people of all nations, all of God's children. You know, all equal. How have you done it? Yeah, 
Uh, well, it's still obviously a work in progress. Uh, some of the lessons, and we, we really have just turned to other churches that are way further down the road than we are um, and try to learn as much as we can. Some of the some of the really good lessons that we've learned is there's a difference between uh, diversity in the auditorium or, you know, the big building, the worship center where people don't actually have to interact. Yeah. Uh, and so we said, we kind of said, you know, that that's good there, but our marker is going to be at the kitchen table or at the dining room table. Mm. So uh, we believe that the street won't change until our kitchen table changes. And so it's who are our people having over, who's over for dinner, so to speak, and uh, encouraging our people to lean into those spaces. So whether it's, you know, with our structure, community groups, uh, dinner gatherings, things like that. Uh, hosting ministries that are that are structured to have hard conversations around things that people care about but just may not be familiar with how to navigate those conversations and so it's it's providing ministry opportunities for people to get around the table and do that uh, and then the other thing is elevating leaders being really intentional in leadership development in your leadership development pipeline uh, and then being very very flexible. <laughs> the, mm. What do you uh, mean? Well, I, I give this. Uh, yeah, I think this is okay for me to share. Um, so for me, I grew up and still have like in my bones this uh, this sense that early is on time. So so what? So Julian, what time does the meeting start? Right today, our meeting started at you know eight thirty on, yeah. on the yeah. dot. Yeah, and I was circling the area at eight oh five because being late. Uh, I, I shrivel up and die. And okay. I take it personally when other people are not having the same view of how time works. Uh, in our leadership team, I serve with some amazing leaders, uh, some of whom do not have that same view of how time works. Uh, in their cultural view, uh, humans are not slaves to the construct of time. Time and calendars are simply a means for us to have relationship. And so we're not going to sacrifice relationship just for timeliness. Right. Uh, if you've ever been to a wedding where uh, it's maybe an Anglo marrying maybe a, a, a Latina, uh, you'll notice that there's a certain group of people that are there at a certain time right. and a certain group of people that are there at a different time because they just think of time differently. Right. right. So, so I'm currently serving as the lead pastor. So what time do I start the meeting? On time. I started on time, but uh-huh. I've had to I've had to give space, mm-hmm. right? I've had to I've had to bake into my leadership structure space for those who are on my team, mm. uh, who I love and care for, and who just do not have the same view of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that. I mean, I don't like that. You know, I don't. <laughs> I, I still feel it. I mean, I've been in this for a long time. I still feel it because it's deep within me. And that's that's one small example of a myriad of frankly, cultural distinctions that uh, when we're brought together as a unified yet diverse body of believers, mm-hmm. uh, I have to give that up. Right. I have to okay. defer. I'm going to defer to the preferences <clears throat> of the other. I'm going to defer to the needs of the other. And the, the trick is they're also deferring to me too. So, you're, you're, so what you're saying is it's about having uh, conversations around the, uh, the dinner, the breakfast table with the family, uh, open conversations, you know, ones where you're not, you're not, beaten over the head and told you know you must be this you must be that but you know discussing 
how uh, we can all work together, you know, acknowledging uh, things that have happened in the past in the, in the country's history, uh, but yet not not beating your, your children with it, but, right. but helping them to see what does the Bible say about mm-hmm. it? What does Jesus say about it? You know, what would Jesus call you to do in order to bring healing to this situation? Uh, you know, what, one thing that I love is being in a, in a, in a, in a, in a worship service with people of all uh, you know, for, uh, races, you know, and uh, we're sort of there and they're, they're, they're just feeling this, this, this love of coming together. You know, there's people just um, worshipping together as one body, you know, and, and it's Jesus that unifies us all, that, that, that brings us all together. Yep. But um, I want to do, uh, ask you lots of uh, more stories. I'm going to get in trouble from uh, the uh, the guy from here. So I apologize for that. We'll have to do that some other time. Sure. But what would be your final, in, uh, we've got about 20 seconds, what would be your <laughs> final words to people about going out and serving Jesus? Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine. Nothing you'll ever do will earn his love. And yet out of that love for him, he calls you to love others. And so put that into action just like he did. Okay, so just start. Just start. Just start. Well, you've been listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories. My name is Julian Gibb. The time is uh, been 5.30 Monday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Look forward to meeting with you again next week. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.